the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Southern California Live, hour two of our program today. It is Open Line Friday. That means you can call about anything you'd like. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. It is St. Patrick's Day. Now, I'm the only Irishman you've ever met, though, that's never had a drink, so I'm okay. There you go, Mr. President. We thank you for that. Uh, I'm Irish as well. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. That's right. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. Maybe. <laughs> you know, I don't know what that even means. Is that a stereotypical thing of Irish people? I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. Uh, I don't know. It's a funny thing, though. I think that we we sort of are we laugh at the Irish or something today, and we have all the stuff, and nobody cares. It's uh, I, maybe that's refreshing. Maybe it isn't. What are you doing for St. Patrick's Day? You have any uh, plans? Any traditions that you like? You can share those today. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven is the number. It's open line. You can call about the Bible, Bible question, spiritual question that you've got, or uh, maybe you want to just follow up to uh, something we talked about earlier this week and you couldn't get through it. One of the things I do every week on Friday. Day as we have our absurdity of the week. Hey, what happened? That's terrible. We try to find things that are just uh, way outside, you know, of what should be even rational. And uh, I got this idea. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna attach a couple of things. It's open line Friday. The number is eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. T writes in and she says. I had a random thought, and I wanted to get your audience's take on where, what if we were to go to war with the government draft females that allegedly identify as men, meaning that uh, right now, um, should we draft women into the two questions here I've got is should we draft women? If we go to war, should women be eligible for the draft in the same way that men are? If you don't realize it, every man has to go register for the draft, even though we don't have a draft right now, you have to do it. I had this conversation with my son the other day. He's 13, and I said, well, when you're 18, you got to go register for the draft. There are people who have been proposing legislation to say, well, because of uh, the idea of equality and equity, then women should have to uh, register for the draft. I wonder if we would have that same thought if we actually were at war, that we're going to send our girls into battle. Now, this person is writing and saying, well, what about women who identify as men? Should they then be drafted? Should that be part of it? And I think that's a very interesting question, right? If we're supposed to treat men who identify as women as women and no different than women, then shouldn't we have to do that for women who identify as men and treat them no different than men? The absurdity of the week is this idea that men are women and we have to treat them the same and we have to say that men can get pregnant, men can have babies, and men have uh, periods and men have all the stuff. There is a video going around of a a biological male who has transitioned into female and he is in conversation to be part of an experimental surgery that will allow him to actually carry and give birth. 
Today, I want to tell y'all how I could be the world's first pregnant transgender woman. Now, am I actually going to be the first one? Who knows? Well, you're probably wondering, how can a transgender woman be pregnant if she doesn't have a uterus? Well, that's why you do a uterine transplant. So, long story short, a donor uterus would be planted into me. It would be fertilized. A baby would be born. And then the uterus would be taken out so my body doesn't reject it. So, she's very excited about this uh, this experimental surgery where, and she's not a she, she's a he. So, he, biologically, will have a uterus surgically implanted inside of him. And somehow carrying a baby. I imagine it's already uh, carrying a baby. There's, there's, I don't know how that even works. Um, and there's some theory. I heard a doctor explain the theory of how surgically you could do some things and artificially you could do some things for, so that a biological male actually could carry a baby. The absurdity is the entire thing. The absurdity is that anybody would even want to, that anybody thinks that is important to to do and to go through. You know, in this whole conversation, when we're talking about these things that undo civilization, they undo the foundations of who we are. They undo who men and women are. They undo what marriage is. They undo uh, the idea of what parents should be. There are so many things that it undoes. There's, there is a consequence to that that's real. And that goes back to T's question where she says, if we were to go to war, would the government draft females that identify as men? See, I think that that is where the rubber meets the road, right? Is that if we're going to be consistent with the argument that and the philosophy that we are imposing on our culture, then the answer to that is yes. Then the answer to that is if we go to war and we need an infantry, then the answer is you hand women uh, their gun. They go to boot camp with all the men. They have to do all the same things, and we put them on the front line and let them uh, come home in the uh, bag with the flag. Uh, I don't know that we're going to feel okay. But we don't feel okay about that when it's the men, right? But there's always been a sense, right? There's a video that's going around that is kind of funny on this subject. It's the Titanic if the Titanic were to sink today. And instead of women and children first into the lifeboats, it's all the guys getting into the lifeboat because there's no difference. It's men and children first. And you know, you can sense the tension of how odd that would be. And I think it's odd because there is a difference between men and women. There are differences between men. We have different feelings. There, I think that this uh, this whole thing that when you think through it, it's it just doesn't work and it's never worked. The NCAA president of the NCAA College Basketball Association, Charlie Baker, was on the news this week announcing that in the policies of whether or not to let trans trans women participate, who are men, who transition into women. And in these cases, in these sports, often there's hardly any transitioning that's done. You know, maybe some hormone shots or something. But some of these guys that you're watching in these women's sports from high school and college, you know, they tower over the women. I was watching this basketball game where one of the people on the women's team is a guy who now believes he's a woman, and he's like 6'8". He looks like he's in the NBA. He hardly looks – he doesn't look like a woman at all. He's got some lipstick on, and that's it. And apparently he's hardly done anything. He just says – and he he looks like he is the coach coaching a third-grade girl basketball team. That's how much bigger he is than everybody else on the team. And we're told that we're not supposed to get any – we're not supposed to see any difference there. This is what Charlie Baker said the NCAA is going to do uh, regarding these men in women's sports. What its rule is. is this, that- is, uh, this is the Fox uh, News 
uh, asking him a question. What its rule is, is that one, is that a good idea to let that be decided by each individual sport? And what about the argument is just unfair that that the transgender women athletes, it's unfair uh, to have biological or cisgender women compete against them. They're, they're transgender, they're yeah. bigger and stronger. Um, I think the most important thing here is to to balance two issues. One is inclusion and the other is competitive equity. And um, and one of the reasons for following the national governing bodies uh, and, and the international federations and the Olympic federations is you don't want uh, transgender athletes to not to have to play by different sets of rules at every step along the way in the process. Do there need to be rules? Do they have to meet clinical standards to participate? Yes, they should have to meet clinical standards, and those clinical standards should be based on science. Based on science. It's, there's no science that makes this make any sense. Did you know that? In fact, when you play this out, it gets pretty dark. I'm going to play a couple of clips for you of people who have transitioned and in this case, they're, they're both women who transitioned uh, – the first one transitioned into being male, and then she detransitioned a couple of years later. And then the other one is somebody who said she was non-binary. Non-binary means you're neither male nor female. Uh, the binary is male or female, uh, that you have two choices. The funny thing is that you can either be binary or non-binary, which is a binary, which means there is non, there is binary. Anyway, uh, and these are testimonies before legislative bodies – that are considering uh, laws that will require hospitals, require governments to perform these surgeries and to perform uh, what's called gender-affirming care without any concern about whether or not this even makes sense for these people, without the psychological... There's so much with it. Listen to this. At 16, the very first medical... This is a woman, by the way. She's taken uh, drugs so that her voice sounds more masculine, okay, testosterone and other things. At 16, the very first medical intervention I ever had was a double mastectomy. A few months later, I was then put on cross-sex hormones. I am now 21. I live with constant joint pain to the point that it is so bad that I have not been able to get out of, class, out of bed to go to class some days. My vocal cords ache, my breasts are gone, and I will never know if I will be able to carry a child because there's a good possibility I'm sterile. You call this care. I could not consent to this due to both my age and my mental health conditions, yet you call this care. My parents were baited with the idea that I would commit suicide if this was not given to me. They were told, would you rather have a dead daughter or a living son? These are not the words of a doctor. They are the words of a politically motivated activist. Kids deserve a chance to grow up whole. They deserve a chance at life. Kids deserve a chance to grow up whole. You know, we know by science that almost everybody who is going through that difficult stage, that what what gets you straight in your head is puberty, that going through that, that by the time you graduate, you don't have that dysphoria anymore most of the time. Now, this person went a little longer. Her name is Camille, and she is also testifying against laws that would force hospitals and force schools to teach that the science says that trans-affirming care is correct. Around 2010... I was presented with the idea that I could be non-binary in college. In 2016, I saw a therapist who affirmed my non-binary gender identity. In 2020, I saw two mental health professionals who signed off on a non-binary double mastectomy. What I needed was a therapist to tell me that there is no biological equivalent 
to a non-binary identity. What I needed was somebody to explore the discomfort with my breasts in relation to trauma, not to have them removed. I now live every day with a mutilated body because therapists affirmed my delusion. The reality is that therapists are working with an ideology that does not allow them to question gender identity, fearing that they'll be viewed as transphobic and engaging in conversion therapy. I've had two different therapists tell me, being gay is not a form of mental illness. Therefore, being non-binary is also not a form of mental illness. You must be non-binary. There's no biological equivalent to the non-binary gender in the human species. These therapists are not looking into disassociation from the body due to trauma. They're not thinking about this critically. These are kids. Notice she said this is ideology, and that's, that is the point with all of this. It's not science. It's ideology, meaning that it's not we're experimenting, experimenting here, and we've discovered that uh, there is such a thing as a non-male and non-female and non-binary, and uh, if you would like to have your breast removed, that is the best thing for you. There's no science behind that. All of it is ideology. And it's an ideology, and they're going after the kids, folks. Um, she made this decision as a kid. She reversed her decision as an adult. This is a huge deal. This is not right or left. I think that we see, for some reason, people who are on the left in politics supporting this kind of thing and people on the right who are against it. But I don't think most of us who who pay attention, even if you find yourself towards the left of things, I think that you don't agree with this. I think that you think this is wrong. I think that you would not want this for your kids. I know that's not true of all of you because I know that there are many parents who are pushing their kids in this direction. I know that. There are, there are videos of parents at these uh, drag rallies and they're totally sexual and little kids, five years old. There are videos of parents who you, you see goading their kids into changing their gender. I know that exists. I know that it's not a small number of people. It's a lot of people, but I think that it's, I think that most people think that this is wrong. We have to stand up against it. We're going to have so many. In fact, I could have done a whole two hours with just testimonies from people now in front of legislative bodies, people who are trans, who made these decisions, who just a couple of years later reject it. A couple of years later are going through so many medical problems, who have so much discomfort, so many difficulties. My friends, this is not something that we can be silent about. It's not something that we can vote away and wait two years before we do it, and then maybe nothing happens, and you wait another two years for another vote, and you vote for the wrong people, then another year, six years, seven years, eight years, just keeps on going. Our society has a problem. Our society is mentally ill in this case. And this is where, with, when there are new philosophies and new ideas, you've got to carry it through. And you say, oh, we got to love the kids and we got to just do what they say and we got to care for them. You're, it is not loving to allow someone to go down a mental path and to push them down that path when it involves things that they can't possibly comprehend at that age. In fact, it's decidedly unloving. It is not compassionate. It is not empathetic. It is wrong. It's bad parenting. It's bad governing. It's bad medicine. It's not science. It's ideology. Huge deal here, friends. Absurdity of the week. All right. 
Uh, let's go to the phones, 888-528-2557. Let's go to Shelly. Shelly, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, Scott. Um, I was uh, listening to your program yesterday. Yeah. And I was talking about, uh, I think the first topic was talking about the children uh, being having this altering uh, experience. Okay, now, it's not only the children. I am an adult, uh, a senior adult. Yeah. And uh, experiments have been uh, going on with me here for uh, now about, i say, three years. I've had a visitation from my government entity, the CIA, to come by and confirm. All right. Me directly. Well, I can't understand you too well there, Shelley, but uh, thank you for calling. You know, I think that uh, you're talking about this can happen at any age. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that go on. I know some older folks, you know, going through these kinds of things. I'm really emphasizing this on kids, not that it's not an issue for grownups. Uh, it is. But when we're going after the kids, you've got to think about this. When we're, we're pursuing policies that um, are going after children, when we won't let children buy a beer, when they're even, we won't let you buy a beer if you're 20 years old. You're not legally allowed to do it. But nine years old, as we uh, learned, is when... Um, Kids start going to puberty, and that is the direction of puberty blockers, which if you take that, it has tremendous side effects. And you become a lifelong mental patient, by choice, uh, uh, medical patient, by choice. What nine-year-old can make that decision? It's a big deal. All right, it's, it's open line Friday, and uh, I, I know this is a heavy subject, and uh, you know we'll transition a little bit here because I know it's heavy, but I don't want us to lose track of what's happening so significantly here. Um, it is it is a major, major deal. 888-528-2557 is the number. Open line Friday. We'll talk about anything else that you would like to talk about. Uh, let's go to Ismail in Whittier. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hello? Hi, Ismail. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, what can I do for you today? Yeah, so what I wanted to talk to you is it's not not on topic with what you were talking about. Well, on Friday, we get to change the subject, so go ahead. So, I've been dealing with this with this issue for for, uh, I, I want to say maybe about a couple of years, going on three. So, my issue is that I've been dealing with a lot of uh, blasphemous thoughts, you know, against God or against Jesus or against the Holy Spirit. Okay. And, you know, I've been... I, I grew up in the church, and I strayed away for some time, but, you know, I've been... I've since recommitted myself to Christ and been trying to stay on the narrow path and, and, and you know, read my Bible and pray and stuff like that. But it's just this issue that I'm, I've been dealing with, and, you know, I've prayed about it, and, you know, I've fasted a little bit about, you know, towards it, but not enough, but, you know, I've been praying and reading my Bible, and it's just, you know, sometimes these thoughts get very overwhelming. And when you talk and about having, also, when you talk about having blasphemous thoughts, you mean just in your, your thought about, about God, that you're, you're angry with God, or you're cursing God, or what kind of thoughts uh, do you mean? Um, so, I guess, like, when I first started experiencing I would get thoughts that I hated Jesus, but I I don't, right? Because yeah. he's the one that saved me. And then 
and then it would be like curse words towards Jesus. And then, you know, I, I, it's created a big problem, you know, because I, there was a time where I thought that I, I'd committed the unpardonable sin, you know, which is something that I have no desire for me to ever do. But, you know, I believe it's the Holy Spirit that has been guiding me through those moments, you know, that reminds me of Scripture. One of the Scriptures that, that helps me out a lot is, you know, that it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man, but it's what comes out of the, the, the mouth of a man that defiles a man for, out uh-huh. of, you know, the mouth speaks out of what's in the heart. And, you know, what's in my heart is a desire to serve God, a desire to, you know, be guided by God and not to go against God or anything like that. But, you know, but you have a, a you have of kind things. of a, an argument in your head going on about these things. So, so yeah, so, it, you know, it could be random. Like, if I'll be reading the scripture, I'll get these thoughts where, like, my mind will, like, start to distort the scripture in a sense, like, Oh, you see God, you see what God will do. And then, and then at different times, mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, I, I, I don't even want to say the thoughts that sure. go through my mind. Yeah. Because it's, but you want to get past that, I, right? But I, yes. So I okay. wanted to, you know, I don't know if you as a pastor have ever dealt with somebody who's gone through these problems or, you know, is there any advice that you could give me for me? you know, to finally overcome, there's times where I feel like I'm so close to have like a breakthrough and then it just feels like, like there's, like there's resistance and, yeah. you know, I just... Can I ask you something? I got to go to a break here in a second. Do you, uh, are you a part of a church? Do you go regularly to church? I I haven't been go. I, I want to go to a church. I haven't, I haven't been attending church. There was a church that I was attending, but I haven't been to it. Yeah because they invited uh, Jesse the Plantis to preach there, and so that kind of turned me off towards that church. And so I kind of, I haven't been going to church, but, you know, I try to do my part as far as, like, I try to keep up with prayer and reading the Bible and being a doer of the Word, not just, you know, reading it. So I just kind of wanted to see. Can you hold on through the break? i got to take a break, and I'll come back, and I'll give you an answer to your question. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is Southern California Live. When we come back, I'll answer his question. It's also Open Line Friday. We'll take your call on anything at all today, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'll be back with uh, Ismail's question as the Friday edition of Southern California Live continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. It is Open Line Friday. We'll take your call on anything at all. Before the break, I was talking with Ismael. Ismael, you still with me? Yes, I'm Uh, here. I'm going to give you... you know, a, an answer here, and you were what Ismail was talking about was having blasphemous thoughts. That there are lots of thoughts that are going through his mind, and you said you went away from the church, and now you're coming back to the church, um, and uh, you're coming back to the Lord. All right, here is uh, something I'll give you, and this is a radio show. We don't have time to get into a lot of the stuff, okay, that you might be going through. Uh, the first thing is though. Uh, lots of people have the thoughts going through their mind, and you wonder where those thoughts come from. They're kind of harassing thoughts, right? I mean, you're, you're being yeah. harassed by them. But you say, well, that's not really what I believe. 
then you need to treat them as if somebody, and in this case, the devil, is harassing you with these and trying to distract you. See, whenever you left the church, for whatever the reason is, there was a victory on that side, and they don't want you to come back, so they're gonna, the devil's going to tell you that you should not love God, that God's lying to you. That's been the lie since the beginning of the fall. But here's a Bible verse for you, okay? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. I'm going to leave you with this, all right? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Now, I don't want to leave you just with that verse. That's not the only verse in the paragraph, okay? But that verse is where you need to focus your thoughts on things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely. And when you're having those thoughts, you need to say, uh, leave me, uh, stop harassing me, and think about the things that are good. But the next thing matters a lot here for you, okay? It says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And then the God of peace will be with you. And so my advice for you, Ismail, is I understand you left a church because there was a a disagreement with a speaker or something. Find a church, and you have to be a part of it. Scriptures tell you do not stop gathering in my name, as some people do. Uh, You need to be with other believers on a regular basis. And, And then what I would say is find a ministry. It might be in that church, but maybe you just need to go to a homeless shelter and, and volunteer. Find something that you can do to serve other people and put it into practice. See, and then the God of peace is with you. So my, my thought for you is treat the thoughts as harassment. It's the devil. It's what the devil does. But the other thing the devil is doing is keeping you out of church and keeping you from doing the work of the Lord that you're called to do. Uh, so take that step. you got to do it. Okay. And it'll help you. All right, Ismail, thank you for calling Southern California Live. And can I pray for you real quick? God, I pray for Ismail, and there are lots of people who are struggling with these things. I pray that we, uh, I pray for Ismail that he would find a good church, that he would find good fellowship, that people would pray with him there. I pray that you take away these harassing thoughts, and I pray that you give him the joy of the ministry of serving others in the name of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks, Ismail. Thanks for calling Southern California Live. All right, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Before the break, we were talking about uh, some transgender issues and uh, where that ultimately leads, that issue. Uh, Shiva in Beverly Hills, uh, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, Is it Shiva? Is that right? That is correct. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Hi, Shiva. So I, you know, I was someone that would take my child to the gay pride thing when she was younger. I lived in West Hollywood. Mm. I was totally with the liberal mindset. Um, And then when I saw the agenda, um, it was like the bubble was popped. I think when I started looking into Pizzagate and WikiLeaks and seeing how very satanic these people are and how they want to basically you know, rot the minds of our children. And then I became one of the biggest advocates in Beverly Hills and started the Beverly Hills Freedom Rally. And I did a deep dive on on transgenderism and that pervert John Money, the pedophile John Money, mm-hmm. and how he... Right, well, I don't know who know, that is, so I want to be careful about naming names on the show, okay? 
Well, he's he's uh, he's the guy that started well, I, you know, so uh, you, telling parents parents on. that they can yeah that hold, they can um they can raise their children. Hold on there a second, uh, Shiva. I just uh, just go ahead and just just share you know kind of what you've learned and and what people can do. Well, this is what I learned because his he lied about these twins in Canada, and one of them he like convinced the mom that. Uh, because he had a botched circumcision that he could raise that boy as a girl mm. and destroyed these twins' lives and would do very weird sexual stuff with them. Yeah. There's... So this is, all, this is all out there. Like, nobody's yeah. denying this. And, this... you know, Shiva, I think that one of the issues with this is to realize that there is, I think what it's being called as transgenderism, and that there are people who are going through these struggle struggles that are actually victims of the ism, if that makes sense. That there are there's another agenda that's not really about supporting even transgender people. It's about breaking apart the family. It's about the breaking apart of society and foundations. And that is where a lot of this goes. And I think you probably saw some of that in uh, your involvement of those things. I appreciate your call, Shiva. I'm going to go on to another call here. And uh, let's see here, Patty from Santa Ana. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. Can you hear me? Yep. Go ahead, Patty. Good afternoon. Um, So, Scott, I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner. Yeah. And um, I know a lot of the discussion around the transgenderism has to do with um, how sadly uh, professionals, uh, both in medicine and in mental health, are just... Uh, following blindly or maybe fearfully, I'm not sure. Um, and professional organizations such as the AAP um, are leading That's the a association lot of, of uh, pediatricians. What is it? The American Association of Pediatricians yeah. Yeah. or Pediatrics? That's correct. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's okay. Yes, yes. Um, unfortunately, you know, are leading uh, a lot of uh, professionals um, in in the wrong direction. And so I just wanted to let you know and um, your audience know that there are uh, professional medical organizations out there that are very pro-life and pro-family, mm. um, one being ACPs, which stands for the American College of Pediatricians. And if, um, you know, you go to their website, you find all kinds of amazing resources um, that are very pro-life um, and um pro-family, and in there you will find a, a very informative um, video. It's a documentary, um, and it's called um, Affirmation Generation. Um, they interview a bunch of um, people that have detransitioned, uh-huh. as well as professionals, pediatricians, psychologists, um, social workers. Um, so anyway, it's just um And what was that called again? Or your ACPs. ACPEDS. Um, yes, that's correct. Okay, American Stands College of Americans. Pediatricians. That's correct. Yeah. You know, I think uh, this is a good thing to know, Patty. I mean, I've got kids, and we're looking for doctors for our kids. And, you know, we, we need to find doctors who we trust, who we trust particularly in California with our 13-year-old who has the right to not have us involved in conversations. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, that's really scary. It's very so scary. I, I'm a school nurse as well. Yeah. I'm a school nurse as well, and um, 
I don't know if your audience is aware, there are laws in place where children as young as 12 um, can be can receive um, uh, these transgender medications and procedures yes. without medical knowledge or consent. Yeah. And it's scary. It's very, it's very scary. Very, very scary. That's what I mean. It's a, it's an ideology that's going after kids. Kids who we would say that same kid, you can't have a beer for another nine years. You can't go by and have a, a right. beer, but you can right. start a medical procedure that you're going to have to do your entire life that has tremendous side effects that probably you don't need. Uh, right. That's a huge deal, Patty. Thank you for what you're doing and for standing up with kids. I know it's a hard area. And that website, again, is, is ACPEDS, A-C-P-E-D-S dot org. I'll check it out. And uh, yes, thank you. Do. Thank you for bringing that to uh, our attention today on Southern California Live. All right, 888-528-2557. Uh, Ted in L.A., welcome to Southern California Live. How are you doing, Scott? Good, Ted. Ted. To the angel. Uh, I just wanted to say, you know, obviously they took the rights for parents to discipline their children because some bad apples of over. Yeah, earlier you know, we were di- talking about uh, discipline in schools and swatting and, and oh, those yeah. kinds of oh, things. Oh, yeah, and right, and so um, that didn't bother me. It happened to me. But the thing is, is, is we, obviously there was parents that took it to a level which ruined it for everybody. And so now they've taken the right away. They're, we have kids that are threatening to put their own parents into jail. I just talked to a lady. Oh, yeah. At a, Oh yeah, and she yeah. told me how her own kids threatened to put her in jail, and it can't. That's all I have to do is tell the authorities, and so now, um, so the parents can't discipline them. Uh, now you have uh, people that are trying to talk their five-year-old into the uh, be transgender. Um, where is child abuse? That is child abuse, and not only that, who has become the new child abusers? It's our government. Mm. Yeah, it they is are, a. Uh... I got to go to a break here, Ted. But you make a good point. Is you know the first thing, Ted, is that the problem is is that there is child abuse coming from parents and other people, and that was the that's kind of the genesis of a lot of these these law changes, right? Is that they are trying to protect children from actual abuse, but the, it's moved so far into the custodianship of government and these entities that now they have become the abuser in these cases. Uh, exactly. And the parents are being removed from the process altogether, and that's bad. We have to find a better way to uh, protect kids from bad parents, but empower parents in general, uh, who mostly are good parents, uh, to do that. Yeah. Ted, thanks yeah. for your call and uh, for calling Southern California Live. All right, it's eight. It's a uh, open line Friday eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. I see your calls, Victor David Harold. I'll get to your calls and more as we the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. All right, Mr. President, uh, thank you for that. Welcome back to Southern California Live. Hope you are having a good St. Patrick's Day. You know, we talked about uh, wearing green and how we uh, get pinched for doing that. Maybe you're still doing that in school and uh, all of that. Did you know the color used to be blue? According to Smithsonian Magazine, blue became the color of choice when Henry VIII, the King of England, declared himself King of Ireland in the 16th century. And to mark the announcement, he created a coat of arms for Ireland that used the color blue. If you Google it, the coat of arms for Ireland, it's blue. It's still blue today because of that. Did you know that? And it became such a thing that that shade of blue was named St. Patrick's Blue. 
Now, nobody is sure how it turned to green at some point, but the Smithsonian Magazine suggests that sometime in the 19th and 20th century, there was an increasing division between British royalty and the Irish people. And over time, green was adopted as the color of the Irish rebellion. And then the shamrock became the key symbol. And in the end, green won out. And uh, that's that's how that goes. I don't know. I mean, nobody really knows for sure if that's why, but that's probably how it is. I once theorized that maybe it got changed because there was a very influential party planner who uh, made a mistake and thought it was green and not blue. And then uh, nobody said anything and it changed it. Right. Influential people, just for whatever reason, they have the ability to change the course of history. And maybe that's the way it happened. I don't know. But anyway, I tell you that because I'm not wearing green. I don't have green. I just don't own anything green. Every year I tell myself I'm going to go buy a green shirt. I have nothing green, but I'm wearing a blue jacket and blue pants, and uh, so I I think it qualifies. And so don't pinch me on the way out of here. I don't want the injuries. All right, this is a Southern California Live Open Line Friday. Let me get to your calls here. David in the San Fernando Valley, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, David. You still with me? Oh, yes, yes. Okay, thank you. Yes. Hi, Scott. I appreciate your show. Listen uh, daily. Thank you. I I have a question for you. I haven't got your, um, I, I don't want to say take because it's not, I don't think scripturally we shouldn't have takes. Sure. Christians, but it's more serious it's, than yeah. that. I'm sorry? It's more serious than just a take. We, we want to try to get it right. Or what we think about, absolutely. Now, I my thing on TV, on the radio, uh, in churches, I hear pastors and I hear uh, ministers of the Word Constant, not constantly, but so many. I, often I hear them talk say that we are still sinners, as mm-hmm. a, as being born again, accepted Jesus Christ, that His blood was shed for us. To me, to say that we're still sinners seems to, seems to say that that wasn't enough, because the Scripture does tell us that Second Corinthians five seventeen, of course, um, how that if. Any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things will pass away. Behold, all things have become new. I mean, if I'm still a sinner, what is the new that I've become? Mm. And 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 then the Scripture also tells us, I, I don't know exactly where to find it. I know the word, but I don't know all the addresses. But right. It, it says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that is saying while we were were. That's past, that's past tense, and so while we were while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So what? And of course, I I know that his death wasn't in vain, and I don't even like saying that or thinking that. But I just say it for the for the point of reference. Yeah, you know, I think David that it it's it depends on what they're talking about because you're correct mm-hmm. that for the believer, you're a new creation. The verse you're thinking of is Romans five eight says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then it says in verse yeah. 9, since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? And yeah. then it goes on to, you know, the book of Romans is probably the most theologically you know, rich book in the Bible. And it talks yeah. about how we've been justified by faith, by the blood of Christ, and reconciled to God, and we are saved. That once you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved. And the scriptures yeah. would say that you are a saint, right? So a saint, biblically Absolutely. biblically speaking, is a Christian. 
You know, you might have a you might be Catholic or another Protestant tradition that talks about the saints of the church, right. you know, St. Matthew or St. Peter or whoever. You know, but the the biblical definition of saint is anybody who's a believer. And the reason is, is yep. because one day when you stand before Christ, you are already justified by his blood. Meaning Absolutely, that the yes. payment for yep. your sin has been done already. And we still yep. need to confess our sin. We're still, you know, and this is this is where it gets into the, the sinner's idea. The thing is, is that you're not, you are not perfect yet until you no. stand before the Lord. And I think that when preachers talk about still being sinners, they're doing two things. They're say, they're they're telling the Christian, hey, don't lose hope that you are still struggling with sin. You're going to struggle with sin. You're going to have to deal with it. Even your biblical apostles struggled with sin. It's part of it. But you but don't think that it means you're not saved. Now there's a point when maybe you're not struggling with sin and maybe you should consider whether or not you really believe in Jesus. I mean that's a that's a big deal. Right. But I think they're communicating number one, don't lose hope because you're not perfect. Uh, take your sins to the well, Lord. He's faithful and just to forgive you and work hard to grow yeah. and sanctify yourself. The other thing I think is a communication to people maybe who aren't Christians who need to understand, hey, when we talk about justification and forgiveness, uh, that has been completed in Christ and that's offered freely to you. Um, but Christians aren't perfect. Uh, Christian, The Christians, you know, are going to screw up and they're going to sin and they're fighting the old flesh uh, as long as they're alive. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think to to differentiate saint and sinner will help you with that, to realize that people who are uh, saved are saints, and you're a saint now, but I am, yes. you're still going to be a sinner. I don't, I, don't struggle, I don't struggle with myself, whether I, I believe that I am, I am a saint. I'm not saying that I don't sin. Um, because John said, if we say we have no sin, we lie, and the truth is not in us. And so I started to think, well, is it maybe in my flesh I'm a sinner, but in my spirit I'm born again? It's just, um, and I think to tell to tell a congregation of Christians that, you know what, let, let me just tell you that you were sinners, but it really means something for the blood of Jesus to be shed. Yeah. And that has... That has to be communicated. I think you're and, right. And David, I want to go on to some other calls, but I think you're right. It needs right. to be communicated better that your identity is in Christ and you're a saint. Uh, and that yeah. because you have that identity, you are you have the Holy Spirit to help you uh, deal with your sin yeah. and to repent. Absolutely. All Appreciate right. it. David, Thank thanks you. for bringing that up. I know that a lot of people deal with that. I hope that that's helpful for you. 888-528-2557. Uh, Victor in Alhambra, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Frank. Oh, so, so I called you Frank from the old guy. Yeah, um, it's been a while since someone's called me Frank, but the last two hosts of the show have been Frank, so uh, oh, it's fine. I can be Frank. Okay, um, I'll be Frank. Okay, so my a good friend of mine says, like John Kennedy, um, how's life treating you, but how's how are you treating life? Okay. Right. And um, to say that you don't have any green on you, open your wallet. Do you have any greenbacks? And pin that on your shirt. <laughs> oh, if I don't have any green, right? Well, I don't. I probably don't have any greenbacks in my wallet either. But a good idea um, there. Okay. So, anyways, um, I have a, a very many vicarious situations that I've learned in the past month regarding fentanyl and the, and the metro, and I have some personal experiences. But I would use up all your time if I were to go into it. But anyways, um, I was at the hospital because I got hit by a car on January 12th. So oh. outside the hospital, a man walked out, 
and he asked me for a light for a cigarette, right? And he looks so normal, right? I asked him, what happened to you? Because you look so normal, right? And he says, he goes, I bought a pack of Newports off of Alvarado and Wilshire that was sealed. And it found out that they were all laced with fentanyl. Mm. So he smoked six of them, he passed out, and he died momentarily. They brought him back to life. And so amazing, right? Yeah. And then another incident, I was on the street again on 5th and Broadway. And then another guy on the street, what happened to you? I was on the blue line. I was smoking weed with somebody on the train, and it was laced with fentanyl. I died for 15 minutes. They brought me back. Like, so amazing, right? Yeah. Um, and um, Victor, it's, it's a, a dangerous tragedy. it's a dangerous world we have. Victor is talking about uh, a couple of days ago on our show. We talked about an LA Times article that was discussing how much drug use and danger is on the some of the public transportation. Uh, yes, and then um, yeah, myself. Okay, while I was at County Hospital, there was a guy who was posing as a Good Samaritan, and um, he, he ended up. I met another guy that he actually assaulted, and behind his back, um, he befriended him. And they ended up choking him and stealing a cell phone, right? Come to find out that he was trying to befriend me. And I met him in the street. And he comes up to me. He says, hey, Victor, do you want a line? And I'm a recovering drug addict. And mm. I told the guy, I'm like, um, if it was the old Victor, I would probably say yes. And I didn't even question what was in it. Yeah. But in hindsight, knowing what he did to the other gentleman by choking him out, I think she was trying to offer me a line of fentanyl to knock me out so he could steal my stuff. Could be. Right? Victor, I got to go to – I want to get another call. I only have like a minute left, uh, but I appreciate your calls, and I think it's good advice to tell people just to stay away from stuff if you don't know where it came from. It matters. Uh, Omar and Peter, I remember you earlier this week. We just have a few seconds. No worries. Hey, thank you so much. Are God you, bless you, brother. Yeah, are you Omar yeah, or I'm Peter? Omar. I'm Omar. All right, Omar. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, we just wanted to, to get, wanted to let you know I love your show, love the station, and uh, just want to encourage you in the Lord. Uh, Peter is my best friend. He led me to the Lord about 25 years ago. Mm. And uh, during COVID, I just want to tell everyone it was a really tough time, but one of the blessings that I got out of it was that since we had nothing to do and nowhere to go, I read my Bible cover to cover in 30 days, which was amazing. Right. Like, it was like two and a half hours of reading, and uh fell in love with just reading God's Word, and I slowed down a little bit. Now we're reading it uh, just a little bit at a time, and we're reading the entire Bible from cover to cover every night. And I uh, just want to invite, uh, if anyone's interested, uh, we follow along. We just read it straight through. Uh, if we have any questions yeah, about Omar, a word, I'm, I'm out of time. It's a hard break. I have to go. Um, but, uh, you know, email me, SoCalLive at KKLA.com if you've got a uh, uh, something to share, and I can share it with people. Everybody, I'm out of time. Thanks for calling Southern California Live. Sorry I didn't get to the rest of your calls. We're done. We'll see you on Monday from 3 to 5. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.